Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with. Jeez, uh, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So, as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Now, normally we talk to Kellen on Thursdays. We had to move some things around this week. Yep, he had to preview the play-in game. The Suns taking on the... Oh, sorry about that. We're not there yet. <laughs> no work. I was just... I was just, previewing the play-in game. I was just Suns. talking to Tyler Bassett, and it's like, man, I went so hard covering the bubble because I just didn't know. Like, I didn't know, like, is this the best it's going to get? Is this, a, like, you never know how quickly things are going to change in sports. So, like, when I worked my tail off during the finals run and all that stuff, and it's like, all right, man, going to really preview this trade deadline. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know yeah. what's happening in the next couple. Of, it's not going to get that dark, of course, to 21 teams, but you just never know how quickly things change. It's not going to get dark. Have you seen the schedule? Oh, I have. It's going to get dark over there. Like, they're eighth right now. We were talking about this yesterday. They're not going to stay in eighth over these next eight games. The, the next eight or nine games. You're drop to ninth or tenth or eleven. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and Rudy Gobert on it is the sure win supposedly on there, and then yeah. everything else is just a gauntlet. Yeah. And even after that, you got like Indiana, who's a couple games over five hundred. Like it just keeps going, man. Oh, even uh, yeah, even after you come home after the next road trip after this one, you still have Indi- like you say Brooklyn waiting for you, Indiana waiting for you, another game with Memphis waiting for you. It is, it is a tough stretch right now. Kellen Olson joining us here in studio, and and it's. We've seen it a variety of different ways, a variety of different things. I know you filled in for Gambo one day last week. You filled and in for me? He, 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 and he I did, did not a, know that. He did a fine job, as a Good matter of nice, fact. Nice. I made sure to like give my blessings to the chair before I sat in there. <laughs> Make sure I didn't disgrace your area all over right, there. Thank you. Appreciate Hope the that. monitors were in the right spot and all that kind of stuff. Toronto, it's 27 turnovers. The Wizards, it's deplorable defense. The Knicks, it's an awful offensive first. I mean, it's, it's a little like sampler plate of everything. It, it, I, like tonight, is something going to go right or is a different thing going to go wrong? That kind of seems to be the vibe right now from this team. It is. Uh, Kevin Zerman and I on the latest episode of the Empire Suns podcast went through and I said 11 of their last 15 they've lost. But then I had to go in detail for a couple of minutes and go through that entire stretch of games just to paint how bad it is. Two 25-point losses. Because you say 11 to 15 and it gets there, uh-huh. but then you remember Dallas down 26 at halftime. Boston, they were down 42 at one point. They were down 27 lost at by halftime. 25 Twice lost by 19, lost by 13. This game against the Knicks, how about down by 32 points to the freaking Knicks? How about the wins? The Clippers didn't play anyone. The Lakers didn't play anyone. Devin Booker put everyone in his backpack for New Orleans. And then the Memphis win, Gambo, was one of the few, like, okay, there's something there. The Denver game that they got to OT, okay, there was something there. But both Wizards losses, terrible. Like, it was 17 to 2 run, and I think under four minutes during crunch time that they gave up. And then, of course, the, the most recent one, where their defense was just awful. It's they they are playing such bad basketball right now on on really both ends of the court. And yes, in, injuries have played a significant factor. But you guys 
would come in here and talk about games after the Suns won or lost with without Devin Booker in the last two years, and it didn't look anything no. like this at all. No, and 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 a big reason why is that the decline of Chris Paul. Let's be honest. Yeah. He didn't have any points in the first half against the Knicks. He was a minus 38 for the game. I know that there are a lot of people out there, and I'm, I, I expect even people in that organization that think that the Suns' best path to a championship is post-Chris. Post-Chris, not with Chris, but because po- this year, after this year, you can get off of Chris's contract and save about 15 million bucks. Now, you'd have to pay him 15 million not to play or trade him, but I think that their best path actually may be, and I, that's why I'm a window two guy. Mm-hmm. You know this. I mean, I'm I'm a window. Bernsey's starting to see that that window's probably the better window too now. I was a huge window one guy, and I was wrong because I, I I couldn't have. I don't know how you could have seen this level of decline coming from Chris Paul. Do you guys remember a couple of years ago when Devin Booker started moving up the rankings, and it was like he was in the fifties, the forties, the thirties, and you guys would have those conversations on the show, like, mm-hmm. can he be a top fifteen, top ten, top twenty guy? Because the gap between the eighteenth best player in this league and the thirty second best player in this league is giant. Enormous. Sure it's is. not just 14 spots or anything. So we're talking about a guy in Chris Paul who was wherever you wanted to put him a top 10, top 15, top 20 player in the league the last three seasons and going beyond that. Three straight All-NBA teams. Even if you think about last postseason, what went wrong, he carried them in that New Orleans series, had the perfect game six and everything from there when Devin Booker was out the postseason before that. It speaks for itself how great he was until he broke down at the end. But in the regular season two years ago, MVP candidate, we were talking about him as the MVP candidate for the Suns. A year ago, it was him and Booker. It was like, well, they're just going to split votes and it's not really going to matter. Then he goes down. Book has the look, I can do this without Chris Paul stretch. And then he becomes the MVP candidate. Is Chris Paul a top 15 point guard in the league right now? Is is he a top yeah. 10 point guard in, not, in the, he's in the league right now? He's top 15 for sure. I, I, I don't think he's a top 10. Is he playing like one right now, I should say? I should phrase it that way because I don't think he has played to the caliber of a top 10, top 15 point guard. Will I still take him as one? I think so. He started to look more he's, like himself in the last couple of games. But again, we're talking about a guy who was like a top 15 to 20 player in the league. And now in that rankings, you would put him in, in the 50s, 60s, 70s. It is such a giant enormous drop-off for any team to account for, but especially the Suns, who so heavily rely on him and Booker. I've been covering sports since the 80s, and if there's one thing I know, when players get older like that, you will see signs of greatness once in a while. They're yeah. just not consistent anymore. So Chris Paul may have that great game, like, oh, Chris was... He may have two good games in a row. Really? Oh, Chris is back. Oh, that's the great... But it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable when you get to a certain age and your body starts to, you know, go on you. And what happens more or less is that you... you those those great games become just more distant and you have more average to bad games. Who did you expect more from? That's in this bookerless stretch. That's what I was going to bring up. So a great point. When, when Chris Paul goes down, it's like, okay, or, or this decline sort of happens. I think if you would have told us that six months ago, we'd been like, okay, DeAndre Ayton is, is the number two, or it's more of the committee thing. I think, Gamble, you mentioned that a lot at the start of the year, where it's like, okay, maybe it's not going to be Chris every night, but it'll be Cam some nights. It'll be Mikel some nights. It'll right. be DeAndre some nights. We're not even getting that some nights out of DeAndre and Mikel right now, and, and I think we were expecting too much for both of them. I think Mikel specifically is the guy more oriented towards the role that he's had. I think DeAndre 
DeAndre is the one guy you would want to see step up in this stretch. But man, even with some of the great games he had over the last month in terms of numbers, the amount of just mistakes that he's making defensively have, have really stood out to me. And look, that goes for everyone on the roster. I think Mikael Bridges has been worse defensively. I think that Torrey Craig's been worse defensively. I think Chris Paul has had a huge drop off in his defensive game this year. And the numbers really back it up. But when you, November 8th is a date that I've been referencing a lot because that was after the Suns lost the game and dropped to seven and three on the year. So we're looking at two months, 25 games, a big data point. The Suns are 25th in defensive rating since then. And, and the worst defensive rating in the league is San Antonio over that stretch, like 120.3, yeah. something like that. If you look at and saying this, knowing defensive rating is not an individual number. If you look at the defensive ratings for those starters, it's 119, 120, 118. Those guys are just getting shellacked wow. when they're out there defensively. So it, it does go back to like, who is the true number two? Does this team have scoring and all that? They're not going anywhere until they start defending. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. And, and, and by going anywhere, I mean getting a play-in spot. Like if they keep defending like this, they're going to be 11th or 12th in the standings. They're not going to. They're going to figure it out to some extent defensively. But are you going to bounce back and just be an okay defensive team this year, an average defensive team? Or are you going to get back to what we all expected, which, which was elite? Elite. They were arguably the best. Of, I think, in my opinion, over the last two years, they were the best defensive team in the league. I think Boston has a case for last year. But over the last two years together, they were the best defensive team in the league. And now they're bad. They're bad. It, it, me, it's just inexplainable. Give me the ben- give me your bench thoughts, uh, Lee Koji Landell. You know, we last year I there was a time I was like, this is one of the better benches in the league. Yeah, and I can't say that anymore. It's putting guys in a difficult position because what they so clearly need off the bench more than anything else is more creation, more on-ball equity and things like that because, in my opinion, Damian Lee has been great. Josh Akogi has been great. I think that Jock Landell, Bismack Biyombo, the combination has been has been fine. They just need something different from those guys, and it's to the point, Gambo, where I'm starting to say I think they need to start playing Damian Lee and Josh Akogi 25-plus minutes, and I don't really care where those other minutes come from because the way that they're playing – from an impact perspective, attacking the basket, trying to draw fouls, at least putting pressure on the rim, and then defensively, Okogi is arguably the best defender on the team. I think that's a crazy thing to say for me with Mikel Bridges on the same team as him, but he's that good defensively. I think he's that good of a defender. And then Lee stays connected in that role as well more than other guys have. And and I think we're at that point now where serious rotation changes, starting lineup changes even maybe. We're, we're at that point now where the Suns need to start really looking into stuff like that. We'll see if that changes tonight. Five o'clock to take on the Cavs. Kellen, good stuff. We'll uh, be reading your recap tomorrow at ArizonaSports.com. Anything else? Who, who do they play tonight again? The Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, you. Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, the guy, the, yeah. The guy, not only the, and, title and, contender that and, one, and they're a fun team to watch. I was saying that they, they're different, right? They don't jack up a lot of threes. They don't do a lot of isolations. There, they play a lot different style of basketball. From a team building perspective, you look at what they are. They're perfect. They have two guys who can run offense at any time, and then they have a true rim protector in Jared great Allen, size. and then they have the four in Evan Mobley that everyone wants right and now. Great like, I can play inside, outside. There, they're an awesome team. They're they're going to be fun to watch tonight. I don't know if the Suns are going to be fun like to say, watch tonight. Should be fun. Yeah, yeah. should be fun. It's five o'clock. Tonight. Time over on ESPN 620. Tune in. Uh, tune in. Yeah, ArizonaSports.com. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, Kellen. We appreciate it. You can read his stuff, of course, at ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, the Peach Bowl and the outcome in that game might have helped the Arizona Cardinals. And we'll tell you why next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. His team lost 
on Saturday, but that doesn't mean that C.J. Stroud didn't have himself a good game on Saturday in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. 23-34, 348 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. I thought he was great. He was really, really good. I thought he was so good. He was really good. And now, you know, the closer we get to the end of the season, and of course, from a Cardinals perspective, we're all looking at this kind of through the upside down, right? We're looking at this. Oh, you're going stranger things? Oh, absolutely. The upside yeah, down we're, looking, we're looking at it through the upside down. When does that come back? Stranger Things season. Stranger Things five, or is it? This kid's gonna be thirty-five years old and still doing that show. (laughs) It's gonna be a fifth season. I think. I think it's gonna be the final one. Yes, I believe so. They're not gonna be kids anymore. They're gonna be adults with their own. Well, if they don't film it anytime soon, they won't be kids. Yeah, I got a funny story. We watched all those Harry Potter kids grow up right before our eyes. Sure, we did. So you got this new Avatar movie out right now, right? Yeah. The guy who made the movie said, because of Stranger Things, he shot. Like three Avatar movies at the same time because he didn't want the kids getting old on him like they do in Stranger Things. No way. But he absolutely made sure I'm going to shoot all of these movies right now We're so they work it to the bone. Five years from now, when you're all older and you look different, it won't make my movie look bad. It won't make my movie look different because you all, because Stranger Things, I love Stranger Things, but those kids, they don't, they're not kids anymore, right? They all look like 22 year old adults, they which is what they kind of are. Yeah. Uh, but not for nothing. That's not exactly what we're not talking for about here. In the world of the upside down, we look at the standings through draft pick positioning. And C.J. Stroud having himself a monster game and a great season. And now you start to see some of the mock drafts. I can absolutely make a case for why that is a big, big benefit for the Arizona Cardinals. 6'3", 218 pounds, an unbelievable arm strength, great accuracy, throws while in motion. I mean, this, this kid, he's legit. Like He's a great quarterback prospect. I mean, look at, the, look at the numbers he put off in the two years as the starting quarterback for Ohio State. 8,000-plus yards, 85 touchdowns, and only 25 picks in 25 games. He he reads defenses. You could tell that just by watching in that game. How great he was at reading the Georgia defense time and time again. Taking off for runs, making big throws. I thought he was outstanding. And I thought the first thing after that game was over, I was like, oh, that is really going to help the Arizona Cardinals. Because when you start to look at mock drafts, you know, there are some people that, that you know, C.J. Stroud is now going to be a guy I expect people are going to put into that top five. And you'll have two quarterbacks in the top five with Young and him. And I think it'll put the Cardinals in a really good position to maybe make that blockbuster game franchise changing trade that Mm -hmm. we kind of hope that they can make. Now, C.J. Stroud might have ended up there anyway because we know how quarterback values tend to increase during the offseason, right? Pro days and scouting combines and things like that. I'm not saying his number increased because of what he did in the Peach Bowl. Certainly, scouts thought very highly of him, but I think quarterbacks in general tend to take on value and add value as the offseason begins and kind of carries on. I think the Cardinals are in a terrific position as long as they can stay in that position. as long as Indianapolis stays one well, behind them. And, and that's, that's Indianapolis the key. has to stay one behind them. I think a couple of teams have... Well, Indianapolis is the big one because nobody else can really... Because they're not going to want to get jumped. Catch them. But yeah, Indy, you can't... you got to jump Indy. You, you have to keep the quarterback needy teams in your rearview mirror. You have to. Indianapolis is a rear, is a is a team yeah. quarterback needy. Uh-huh. Detroit and I really, don't know about Detroit anymore. Goff is playing out of his mind. I, I know, but is Goff going to play out of his mind for the next ten years? If you've got a chance at a franchise changing quarterback, I'm just saying they could. I, I don't keep, think you, I keep Goff. I don't think you can rule them out. 
I don't think you can say the Lions are okay. in absolute no way they, they wouldn't take a quarterback. But again, it's not them you have to root against. It's the Rams because it's that's the Rams pick that the Lions are getting. Here are the quarterback needy teams that are behind the Cardinals in the draft right now. Okay. Colts at five. Lions at six. Falcons, who you just lost to, thank goodness, at seven. Vegas at eight. Okay. Carolina at nine. Think now, about that. Just think about that, though. Seven, eight, and nine is probably, I don't want to go down any further than that. I don't want to drop down to 17 or 18. If I could go from four to seven, four to eight, four to nine, and get the windfall of picks, because what's going to happen, if you look at the draft order right now, okay, you got uh, Houston, number one, probably taking a quarterback Mm -hmm. in Bryce Young. Probably taking Bryce Young. The Bears, Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. Seattle, they need help everywhere on defense. They probably go Will Anderson. Now you're the Cardinals at four. You're the Cardinals at four. Everybody that wants C.J. Stroud, we're open for business. Indianapolis is sitting there licking their chops saying, ooh, make a pick, Arizona. Please make a pick. Make a pick. Because then we get C.J. Stroud. But everybody else that you just mentioned, all of those teams that you just mentioned, the Raiders, the Falcons, the Carolina, the Cardinals, trying to jump Indianapolis, and Indianapolis is panicking. To the point where Indianapolis may say, to move up one spot, I might have to give you everything that, that they're going to give you. 100%. I might have to do that. if I'm. So you are in... Such a great position to make that trade, that big trade that every that we've talked about for years. We've yeah. seen other teams do, and a big reason why is because C.J. Stroud played his ass off in that Georgia game, and everybody's looking at their chops right now trying to get that because he looked great. Just because of the Peach Bowl, I don't. No, I don't no, think he's he's had a great career. One game. He's had a great career, but yeah, that Peach Bowl was like, Against oh yeah, he's going to be good. Georgia's Georgia. defense. Uh, look, the, the, to me, the real position, the strength for the Cardinals, the real like meaty discussion. What if they move? up to three in the draft because then you could be talking about the Cardinals being able to take Will Anderson you're talking about the Cardinals being able to take Jalen Carter the, those two players I know are you, you I, I know you I know you you're not going to want the I, I'll tell you right now okay you could take one of those game-changing players or somebody says I'll give you a, a first this year a first next year a second this year a third next year a fifth and a oh, sixth yeah. and you're going to want that that's what I want that's not what I'm saying though what would they do what Who's would, running the team? What would they, well? That's a great question. What would they do if they if they're sitting at number three and Will Anderson is sitting there, an edge rusher who might be the answer to their problems that they've had for fifteen years becomes really that becomes, becomes a, it's, it's maybe the hardest decision. And then okay, then oh my gosh, here's the perfect scenario. Uh-huh. Okay, you move up to three if you're the Cardinals. This is dream scenario. You move up to three if you're the Cardinals. And just move down to Indianapolis. Move spot. down to Colts spot four. If the Colts would be at four. You still get Will Anderson and you still get the sweetheart deal just to fall one spot. Oh, you want your cake and you want to eat it too. Hell yeah. Why, why have cake have, if I'm not going to eat it? You want to have the cake what? and you want to eat it too. Hey, hey, I'm going to get my guy because I'm going to sucker the Colts into moving up one spot. That's a, that's a dream scenario. It is a, now, I it's don't, a dream scenario. I don't know if that can happen, but if that could happen, that would be the dream scenario. Was it the Bears that moved up one spot for Trubisky? Yes. One spot? One spot. I think because I think that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. One spot. 
Yeah, look, that's right, right? See, yeah. younger guys like Mitch, their memory's really good. No, no, that, no you're correct. What did they give I got to look see what they gave up to, to get him. Mitch, look that up if you can. What did the Bears? You got time. You got time. No rush. Uh, actually, you don't have time. Screw it. We'll do it later. We'll look it up. <laughs> Screw it. We'll do it later. I, I'd like to see what they gave up because it's like to move that one is spot. A, to move one spot. But, I, would, I, would, I would tell the Colts, I am getting unbelievable offers, but I'm going to give you first crack at it. You give me this, 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 and this, and I'll let you move up one spot for, for your quarterback. You are right. I am the trade down guy. I am. The, I am oh the. God, you're in such give, a great position right give now. Give me the big haul, and I'll move down a few spots, and I'll have draft picks out the wazoo. Thank for God the, the, the 49ers have to win this game, right? Yes. Thank God. Well, the, the Cardinals need to lose on Sunday. Yeah, they do. Like, you got to lose. And no hop, David Blau. I mean, it's it's yeah. They need to lose. They need to lose to make sure they stay at four. Absolutely. And I would be like, you know what, Matt Prater. You've been a kicker your whole life. Don't you want to play wide receiver one game? Just one game. Come on. You know, it's the last game of the season. What the hell? When we, a- Andy, Andy Lee? What about running back, buddy? Uh-huh. What about running back? When we come back, son's president of basketball ops and channel People manager. playing time for everybody. James Jones, he's watching a struggling basketball team. How is he keeping them together? We'll ask him next on Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Burns and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. Every single Wednesday at 3.30, it's our opportunity to talk Suns hoops with the president of basketball operations, the general manager of the Suns, James Jones. Stops by for his weekly visit on the Arizona Sports Line. James, good afternoon. Happy New Year to you. And as always, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm great, guys. What's up, man? You guys doing okay? Doing good. Good. Yeah, just back from the grind, right? We all had a little bit of time off, uh, you know, for the, for, the, for the Christmas and the holidays, but now we're back at it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... it's... Well, happy New Year, guys, and let's have a good, let's make twenty twenty three a good one. Yeah, let, let me ask you, you: you finished your career in Cleveland. That's where you finished. Uh, you know, your, your best years were were in Miami. Uh, obviously, we know you from your time here in Phoenix. What does what does Cleveland mean to you? Being a part of a championship team there. I mean, man, that was a special experience. Um, you know, what we did was historic, but more importantly, we were coming. I, I mean, I was fortunate enough to join the team when LeBron went back and they started, you know, building towards a championship. And to see the city, like, turn overnight, you know, go from a place that was kind of apathetic to their team to a team, uh, a city that was 100% behind the team and and really just diehard fans. It, it was different for me because I come from Miami, which is a place that had a lot to do externally. Um, there was so much you can do in the city. Whereas when you get to Cleveland, it's really just about the, the Cavs and the Browns. And, and so it was a, a cool experience for me and one that I'll never forget. The level of frustration for you right now with what the team is going through, what, what sort of emotional roller coaster are you going through when you watch your team and the way they've played the last week or so, James? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough, right? Because, you know, you expect to go out and, and compete, and I know we will, um, but the lapses and the slow starts, um, just the holes that you can't dig yourself out of. Um, we've had some wild swings. We've had some really high moments and some really low moments. And the only thing you can take away from that is that, you know, you, you have to be better. You have to be consistent and uh, you have to compete at all times. And I, I've, I've seen instances where we haven't done that consistently. And that's that's what frustrates me. Um, but the NBA gives you an opportunity every other day to come back and bounce back. And so I'm hopeful tonight, 
you know, that we'll step up to the cha- challenge at the end of a road trip and, um, and and have some success against a really good Cleveland team. In the past, you guys have played well without a key player or two. I mean, you look at your record when you didn't have Chris, or you look at your record when you didn't have Devin, or you look at your re- record when you were missing guys, and you guys are still really good. This year's been different. Why do you think that's been the case? Um, I mean, for a myriad of reasons, but we just haven't closed. We just haven't finished. Um, we've been in, you know, plenty of games where, you know, we've been in control and we've had the ability uh, to pull the games out, and we haven't. Some of it's been shot making, some of it's been decision making, um, and some of it's just been lapses in, in effort and a focus. And so, um, this isn't like any other. I mean, this is like every other NBA season where you have moments of struggles where. You know, players and coaches and the staff and the front office, you know, they have to execute. And we just haven't done it consistently. And, uh, you know, that's, that's that's a challenge for us that we'll have to rectify. Hard to close when you guys get down by, say, even the Knicks game. You were down by 32. You, you only made five baskets in the, in the first quarter of that game. It was a real struggle for you guys. You were five for 22 from the field. How much of this is just not getting off to these slow starts? Because when you guys get off to slow starts, we've seen you lose by 25, 25, 19, 13. There's been some big margins of, uh, of loss for you guys when you start slow yeah i mean you can't it's 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 basic math you can't start down every game by 10 or 12 and expect the out expect to outscore your opponent by 14 or 15 to win by three we just have to do a better job of starting and you know it's 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 how you start um actually it's it's how you start more than how you finish Um, i think you get you know you know, like most games, every game you start off zero zero. So if you get off to a good start, you increase your chances of winning. We just haven't put ourselves in those positions enough. And when we have, um, you know, we've we've been successful, but for the most part, it, it just comes out to how we start games. James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show for his weekly visit. We've said it a, a thousand times on this show that when you go to acquire players, that you're looking for guys who they have to defend. That has to be part of the baseline of their skill set. They have to defend. With that in mind, how, from your perspective, what are you seeing that your team isn't doing defensively? Because it certainly seems like that has really been a struggle the last couple of months. I mean, we just we just haven't been on the same page. You know, we've had instances where uh, we're not finishing possessions, and you know, we're allowing allowing players to get to their strengths. And we all know uh, this league in this league, players are too good if you allow them to get to their comfort zone. Um, we've had some games where we've been extremely disruptive, and, and we've had extreme game plan discipline, and we've had success against a team like Memphis. And then we've seen other games like teams against like Houston, where we just did not lock in. And, you know, so that for us is the challenge. Like, there's no fix um, outside of game plan discipline and, and, and competing. And, and, and making shots and missing shots, that's a part of the league. You know, we have streaks where we make shots. The opponent does as well. Um, but we just have to be better. We just have to be better across the board. I, I understand fully. This is probably more of a coaching question, but I still want to ask you anyway, because I know you and Monty work so closely. But would you anticipate moving forward that there might be changes in the rotation or changes to playing time or changes in terms of who's getting minutes and what situations as you guys try to search to find some kind of answer to what's plaguing you guys? Yeah, I mean, of course. You know, those are conversations we have um, because they're all in, in you know, pursuit of the best, the best fixes and adjustments for the team. And you know, it's it's a long season. Some guys start in a position, they finish in another position. Um, 
but but it's about winning games and and if you're not having success that you need you have to make changes and so we're not afraid of that and i would suspect that you know if, if we aren't able to find the consistency with the group that we currently have and the rotation that we're currently playing then there'll be some tweaks you're about halfway through the season with 38 games played uh it's hard to evaluate i get it and i know you're not any no excuses because you've had a tremendous amount of injuries that have really affected you guys but with that being said the trade deadline is a month away uh early february the trade deadline do you expect this roster will look very similar to what it does right now or very different to what it looks like right now after the trade deadline yeah i I just think how how we play from here going forward determines a lot. Um, I, I wouldn't project, I can't tell you what it looks like, but I do know, you know, we, we have aspirations of, of, of being a, a good team. And in order to do that, you have to perform consistently well. We just haven't done that. So it's, it's not you know, an alarm for us, but we're conscious that, you know, we, we have goals of winning titles and, and, and being a contender and, and winning a lot of games. And so the things that we focus on and, and the moves that we make in the future will align with that. Does it matter where you finish in the standings, or are you one of those that just, as long as we get healthy, we're playing right at the right time, it doesn't matter if we're the eighth seed or the fourth seed? No, nah, that, that's you, you want to balance that. Like, you don't want, you know, seeding at the expense of, of being healthy. Um, but it doesn't matter where you finish. Like, no one wants to finish last. Anyone that tells you where you, where you finish doesn't matter. Um, that's kind of a cop-out. It does matter where you finish, but you just want to finish in a high place and finish strong. So in an ideal world, um, every team will tell you they'd love to host the first-round uh, playoff matchup and move forward from there, and, and that, that hasn't changed for us. So safe to say then, because of the, the play over the last two or three weeks, it's got to be a little bit concerning to see where you where you have fallen in the standings. If, if, it, if it does matter, and it does, there is some importance to it, obviously you guys would want to finish as high as you can, and these last three weeks have been kind of counterproductive to that, right? Yeah, we've been losing games. I mean, there's no secret. You're always... You're always concerned when you lose games, but uh, I look at the standings and the parity across the league, and you talk about teams being, you know, three games away from the four seed. It's there's a lot of parity, and so you just have to continue to try to win games. But I'm not like ringing alarm bells. Yeah, uh, we have to get healthy. We get Devin back, um, but until we do that, until Devin's back, we just got to be better. Uh, I, I think I know the answer on this question, but I have to ask it just because I, I, I did talk about it yesterday and I reported on it. But there was a ESPN story that said that uh, that the, the current owner, Robert Sauber, has veto power over any trades that bring back a player making more than the league average of ten point nine million. So I'll ask you, has that prevented you or uh, put you in any difficult position as far as trying to make a trade with this team? No, it hasn't. We've we've been consistent since day one. I mean, we've known what the parameters for operation for our operation has been and will continue to be until there's a transition or uh, to new ownership. Um, and so we've been business as usual. So there's been at no point where you've got vetoed on any possible trade that you've had discussions with or presented. No, I haven't. Okay. All right. I thought, thought so. Thank you. James, we appreciate the time. As always, best of luck tonight against Cleveland. We always look forward to these conversations. We'll talk to you next week, okay?
All right, thanks. Thanks, James. James Jones joining us on the Arizona Sports Line as the Suns taking on the Cavs tonight. Five o'clock tip time. You'll hear it over on ESPN 620. Keep it right here on Burns and Gambo, though. I promise we'll keep you updated on that game when it begins at five o'clock. You can text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, we'll probably spend a minute or two reacting to what James just told us a second ago, and then we'll turn our attention to the NFL for a few minutes as well. Week 17 set up what could be a wild finish for a whole bunch of teams in the NFL. We'll talk about all of that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. All right, we'll talk about the NFL and the playoffs when we get a minute. Um, but obviously that story isn't going anywhere. We've got all week to kind of preview the big weekend that's ahead. And if we get a chance to get to it, we will. Uh, but we did think it appropriate to spend a minute or two reacting to what James just told us a second ago. In particular about the story that made a lot of headlines and, and really, I think, drew a lot of reaction among the Suns fan base because it kind of, you know, if, if accurate, it irritates a lot of them, right? That there's this veto power potentially hanging over the organization and Robert Sarver still having a say in the roster and how this is going to work. The story yesterday came from Brian Windhorst of ESPN.com who talked about a key provision that Robert Sarver still has as the transfer of ownership kind of continues. Sarver, according to the story, still has to give personal sign-off on any deal for a player with a salary that is more than the current average player salary. That equates to about $10.8 million. In other words, if the Suns are to acquire a player whose average salary is more than $11 million per year, Robert Sarver has to approve that transaction as the outgoing owner. Okay, it also makes sense that he would want that ability. If he's selling the team and, you know, you, you, know, you may not want to jack up a whole bunch of salary on there for the incoming owner. I mean, it would make some sense to control something. Like, if you want to make a trade player for player, salary for salary, great. But if you're going to trade one salary and bring back more salary, well, I've got to okay that. I, it's, it's fine. As fine. much sense as it makes, you can see why it might get under the skin of some fans when thinking about this team and what they're capable of doing. What's getting under the skin of the fans is that Jay Crowder's still on his son. Well, that's what I mean. That's what's getting under the skin of the fans. The guy's still here. And that that they haven't swung for the big trade that might change the fortunes of the organization. So we asked James Jones just a moment ago about this veto power that Robert Sarver has. No, it hasn't. We've we've been consistent since day one. I mean, we've known what the parameters for operation for our operation has been and will continue to be until there's a transition or uh, to new ownership. Um, and so we've been business as usual. So there's been at no point where you've got vetoed on any possible trade that you've had discussions with or presented. No, I haven't. Yeah, and I reported this the other day. This has in no way precluded the Suns from making a trade. The reason they haven't traded Jay Crowder is that they haven't got a good enough offer. Nobody really wants to give up anything for Jay Crowder. Now, they're still talking to teams. His value is very consistent. The problem with Jay Crowder's value is this. It's a lot lower than everybody out there thinks it, it should be. You think Jay Crowder, the guy was on play, played in the NBA Finals with Miami, played in the NBA Finals with the Suns. He was a starter. He's physical. He's a he's a he's a wing guy. He can play guard mode. He's not that valuable. He's an older guy, an expiring contract. His value has been cons- the problem is the value is consistent. There's not a lot of value for an older player who's non-athletic on an expiring deal. Yeah. When they trade Jay Crowder, I said this yesterday. When they trade him, they will trade him for another 
bench player. Sure. That's that's the best I, you're going to get. It, it, I, I buy that, and I, I believe that, and I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid that there's some great Jay Crowder trade that's suddenly going to transform the Phoenix Suns organization into this contender. I think there's another trade out there beyond Jay Crowder that could transform this organization, right? One where you decide to give up future first-round picks or things like that. But again, listen to the soundbite because it's clear, and I agree with you, okay? has If the question is, has that veto power prevented us from doing anything right now? The answer is no. It hasn't prevented us from doing anything. But there are parameters. Listen to his answer again. No, it hasn't. We've we've been consistent since day one. I mean, we've known what the parameters for operation for our operation has been and will continue to be until there's a transition. Or we've known what the parameters are, and we know what they will be until there's a transition. Yeah. So he's acknowledging there. There's an acknowledgement of parameters that have to be dealt with, and even though they haven't been needed or used yet with a Jay Crowder trade. There are still some parameters that might, I, that, you know what I'm saying? Like, they have, but this parameter is whether you know the parameters last year and the year before. There's always a budget, of course. There's always a parameters made for a every GM has a budget and parameters, of course. It's just that this gets tricky because. You you want everybody rowing in the same direction, right? You want to, like Robert Sarver, the, the organization's not going to be his a couple of months from now. And not that he wouldn't care whether they make a transaction or not, but an owner who is the actual owner of the team is far more invested into whether they make a transaction that ultimately helps the team than the outgoing owner is. Very and, true. and that's what's got, I think, and I want to speak for everybody in the fan base, I think that's what's got everybody so nervous is you want, you want the new owner who's going to be be the owner for the next 15 years, 20 years, however long, to be able to have that say rather than the outgoing guy, because the outgoing guy just isn't as invested in the success as the incoming guy is. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't trying to have like a gotcha moment with James Jones, but I was listening to that soundbite and he did acknowledge there were parameters, right? He did acknowledge that in the parameters we've known about them, yeah. they were there from day one, right? They will continue to exist until we have a transfer of ownership. What you're reporting and what James is saying lines up so far we haven't had any problems so far we no. haven't been told no so far we haven't been told we can't do anything but it's obvious there are some parameters that they're dealing with when it comes no, to the deals they a, can make there's a lot of teams that aren't very motivated to make a trade right now because the, the playing game has put a lot of teams in it nobody wants to tear it down and burn it there are no new developments on a trade for Jay Crowder they are having the same conversations over and over again you know with these with these teams the same group of teams that was interested is still interested but nobody has made an offer that the Suns have deemed good enough to to trade him. It's still trying to get extract more for him than what the conversations have been with other teams. And again, you're not going to get a, a starting player for a reserve player. Jay Crowder is a reserve player now. You're just going to get a different type of reserve player. And But listen, I agree with the, what people say. Hey, listen, somebody's better than nobody. I get it. I get it. I, get, I totally get it. Sure. You know, but and somebody so many... is better than nobody at this point because they're getting absolutely nothing from Jay Crowder right now and they'd at least be getting something from somebody yeah, if they made a deal Yeah, because if they just him. get a, a role if they get a role player who's the eighth guy off their bench, then you know that's somebody that might be able to help them win some basketball games. So I do get that part. Yeah, James Jones also. All of this talk about seeding and where they finish, and hey, as long as they make the postseason, doesn't matter this where they're seeded. He said uh, it kind of matters a little bit. Nah, that, that's you. You want to balance that. Like you don't want you know seeding at the expense of of being healthy. 
Um, but it doesn't matter where you finish. Like no one wants to finish last. Anyone that tells you where you where you finish doesn't matter. Um, it's kind of a cop out. It does matter where you finish, but you just want to finish in a high place and finish strong. So, in an ideal world, um, every team will tell you they love to host the first round uh, playoff matchup and move forward from there. And, and that that hasn't changed for us. I like that answer. It was a great answer. Because, because the, knee-jerk, yeah, the knee-jerk reaction is, say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it matters. Yeah, it matters a little bit, right? You know, like the, the Suns right now are in the playing tournament. They don't want to be in the playing tournament. You know, they don't want to be in a position where two losses sends them home and there's no postseason. Of course they want to avoid that. Of course they don't want to fall into but that But the easy pit. answer is, man, we just want to be healthy for when the playoffs start. We've learned it doesn't matter if you're what seed you are. No, it does. It does matter. You don't want to have a terrible seed where you've got to go through the gauntlet to get to the championship. You don't want to have to be on the road. You want to try to get it. So t- I, what the way I take that is, listen, we're happy as long as we are, are in the top four. We don't want to be fifth, sixth. We want to be in the top four. To have at least be at home for the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, four o'clock. We're at the turn of the Burns and Gambo show. Really it is really four o'clock. Let's this go. Flown by. The top sports stories of the day are on deck, including big news in Major League Baseball and a positive update on DeMar Hamlin's health. All of that is next on the Burns and Gambo show.